0: New name, same host and same purpose. This is Overcoming Performance Christianity, the podcast that leads you on a path to freedom in your walk with Christ. If you're a longtime Christian, but something's missing in your relationship with God, then you might be caught up in performing for the Lord. Find out more as we dive into this episode of Overcoming Performance Christianity. I'm John Fugler. Yeah, new name. You may be a first season listener and the podcast title was Fresh Faith in Real Life and now it's Overcoming Performance Christianity because that's what we're all about at Fresh Faith 24/7 the ministry that I lead and this podcast dives into that, goes deep into that and leads you into that freedom in your walk with Christ. So, Overcoming Performance Christianity early into season 2. And I'm on the road From Performance to Relationship in My Walk with Christ, and I'm taking you with me, helping to gain freedom from the bondage of performance Christianity. And that's what this podcast does, as well as a devotional series I wrote called Your Life with God. Now, about me, I'm a long-life, long-time, lifelong Christian media guy. And I'm a husband, a father, a grandfather of nine, and I'm also the CEO of Fresh Faith 24-7. A question for you, are you ready to know Jesus? I mean, really know Jesus? Paul said, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's from Philippians 3.8. And if you say yes, you're ready to get to know Jesus in a new way, then you're in the right place. That's what this podcast is all about. It is the podcast for high-performing Christians. And a problem that uh, we have as Christians who perform and lean on that in our relationship with Jesus as we get trapped. We get trapped by performance Christianity, and really, it destroys our life. It eats away at us in our walk with God and other areas of our life. And that's what we're going to deal with today on this episode. Well, I'm, I'm fresh off cutting the grass, so, man, I am, I'm sweating am sweating. And uh, but I'm energized. and before that, took a bike ride, beautiful weather here today, so did that. And I'm sitting down here, been really working through uh, the, the, the content, the outline, and I'm ready to go here. So thanks for joining me. In this episode, I'll tell a detailed story of bondage to freedom. And I'll share how you can get started down that road too. Plus, I've got a guest and he's gonna help us create an environment that gets us out of the performance cycle. This isn't just principles, it's not just theory, it's not just theology. It's about real life and how we can experience fresh faith and how we can jump out, get out, escape from performance Christianity. Here's something that uh, I wanna give to you. Uh, How you doing in your relationship with God? Is it healthy? Uh, How healthy? Well, I've developed a spiritual self-assessment that will give you some answers, and I want to give that to you. This self-assessment will take just three hours to complete. No, just three minutes. Just a three-minute assessment, okay? And it includes some probing questions that will give you the honest truth about your relationship with Christ. So go get it now and take it. You can get it at freshfaith247.com. It's my gift to you. Go to my website, freshfaith247.com. Also have a link in my show notes. If you're listening on a podcast app, the show notes around there and you click the link and you can go ahead and get this self-assessment, spiritual self-assessment, or you can go to my website where I've got the podcasts as well at freshfaith247.com. But right there on the website, on the homepage, there's a button for the self-assessment. Grab that, take it. And you'll find a lot about yourself. Yeah, as we talk about performing for Christ, which is the opposite of relating to Christ, this will help you determine where you are in that continuum. It's going to be self-evident. Just in those three minutes, you're going to see some patterns. So grab the self-assessment at freshfaith 247com uh, This episode, as I promised at the end of last episode, uh, we're going to talk about freedom. Uh, freedom of knowing Christ. As I mentioned earlier, being trapped by performance, Christianity, it really does destroy our life. It, it eats away, it crumbles our our walk with God. We don't have an authentic walk with Christ. We're missing out on what Jesus wants in our relationship with him. Well, today we're going to talk about the freedom of knowing Christ. Uh, the story I want to tell really is mine. I, I grew up playing sports. And I loved it. I still do as much as I can right now. Uh, I was the consummate competitor. And above all, I hated to lose. Got to admit that. I hated to lose. But sadly, uh, winning and success were so expected of me. By my parents? No. By my teammates? Not really. But by me. I mean, I had that bar so high, I could not always jump over it. In fact, it was so expected of me, maybe you can relate to this if you're an athlete or have been one, that I didn't often experience joy when I did win. I wanted to win so much and it was expected of me that when I did win, I was like, okay, that that was expected. So I missed out on the joy a lot of times. And my competitive flair, it really shined brilliantly in nonstop games with my friend, my best friend growing up, uh, Matt. Matt and I, um, well, we, we just did everything together. Uh, we, we call it unorganized sports. <laughs> we played baseball together, hockey, ping pong. We had ball-throwing competitions, batting, uh, board games, backyard battles. Now, we even made up games when we were out of games to play. We were really creative. That's kind of missing these days, isn't it? We, just, we All we had were these round things called balls and these sticks called bats or hockey sticks. And Mertz and I, which was his nickname, we we competed with the best of them. I mean, we really went for it. And we had verbal competitions too. I remember our constant debates over whether the American League or National League was the best. And uh, I was a diehard National League guy. He was American League to the core. And we'd shout valid arguments across the street at each other. Uh, Neither of us giving an inch. And we'd I'd be on one side, I'd go, national. He'd go, American. I'd go, national. And we'd name some players and that kind of thing. And much of the time, our competitiveness was, really went over the top. We'd race home from school. We'd go face-to-face at his ping-pong table in his family's beautifully finished basement. Back then, very few people had finished basements. So this was, this was awesome. Well, would we play a game or two for fun? No. We'd play World Series style, best of seven. But that wasn't enough. We would play best of seven of best of seven. This would go on for hours, two or three hours of intense competition. I think, like, what's that, 50 games? <laughs> and we'd do it for several days in a row. I, mean, I, I got pretty good at, at ping pong. Now, on the baseball diamond, I was a hard-throwing left-hander, a pitcher, uh, living for that exhilarating challenge of blowing the ball by the hitter. I just reared back and threw as hard as I could. Each batter is my enemy to conquer. I wanted to be perfect every time I walked to the mound. My standards were so high. They were too high. I mentioned that. And it led to discouragement and actually fits of anger when I didn't succeed. But that, that's another story. My competitive lifestyle wasn't limited to sports, though. Whenever there was a chance to win at anything, I was ready to go. Board games, spelling bees, races to the bus stop, you name it. Uh, my high school football coach once said this. He said, Listen carefully. He said, for those who played tiddlywinks, okay, you ready for this? If you're playing tiddlywinks, play with manhole covers. (laughs) In other words, go all out. Not these little tiddlywinks, get a manhole cover and then play. And maybe that contributed to my need to win every time. Performance was my friend and my worst enemy. It became a demon that plagued me for decades, spilling unchecked into my spiritual life. I was conditioned to believe that my value was based on the way I performed. I accepted myself for what I did, not for who I was. And I remember when I gave my life to Christ, at that decision point, I thought to myself, if God can accept me for who I am, I guess I can too. And I went forward at a small country church on a cold winter night and turned my life over to Jesus and By his grace, I was accepted for who I was, and I didn't have to live a performance-based life anymore. I think I mentioned this uh, last time. On the night of my conversion, I was told by a church leader that if I didn't do anything else, to spend five minutes a day reading the Bible. And that was good advice. I believe this routine kept me in the game because I did that. I, I, I read my Bible faithfully almost every single day, but as an athlete, well, it became performance. It did. Uh, I had no Christian friends at the time. I went to a dead church. The church where I came to Christ was 20 miles from home out in the country. I knew nothing about growing in my faith and my Bible. This Bible that I have in my hand right now, not this particular one, but it was an RSV, Revised Standard Version. Uh, it, It was my only hope because of that instruction. I was stranded with it until a few Christians began showing up in my life. But my spiritual input still remained meager at best. And that was just the beginning. The next 45 years, the next 45 years of my faith was characterized by what I call performance Christianity. You've heard me talk about this. And that's where it all originated in my life. Over the years, I was taught to how, how to have a personal devotions or quiet time, and I made sure I did that faithfully so God would approve of me. I was trained on how to share my faith. I learned that if I did that, that I must do that if I was living obediently for the Lord. I led Bible studies because growing Christians do that. God would be happy with me, so I led Bible studies. And I adopted James one twenty two as a life verse. And this was probably 15, 20 years after I became a Christian. In James 1.22 is my life verse, and here it is. You might know this. You may have it memorized. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. How could a Bible verse like that be bad for me? It's a holy verse of scripture. But it became the core of who I was. It took the place of Jesus at the center of my life. Uh, I remember... Uh, I was eating up all the how-to Christian life books that flooded the Christian marketplace back in the 80s and 90s. And, you know, like, five steps for a thriving marriage, seven ways to raise healthy children, the four pillars of Christian growth, and so on. And I went to a lot of conferences, too, where Christian speakers affirmed this step-by-step to spiritual success philosophy that, that the books I read had talked about, too. So I was driven by performance for God. And then I I thrust myself 100% into full-time Christian service right out of college. And that environment, well, it, it fed my need to perform. It was an ideal place for a performing Christian. Over the years, I became a Christian leader again and again in a variety of settings. It was the perfect world for me. But it poised me for a disaster I never saw coming. The shell of Christian service wasn't supported by a core of healthy relationship with Jesus. I was, quote-unquote, playing Christianity. In my 30s, I imploded. But it still took another two decades to discover freedom from the bondage of this works-based Christian life. I had mistaken performing for God for knowing Jesus. Let me say that again. I had mistaken performing for for God, for knowing Jesus. I was wrapped up in activities and outcomes and I'd miss Jesus altogether. The lifestyle was addictive too. The more I knew about living the Christian life, the more I wanted to know h- how to do it more and better. And I felt like I was growing spiritually. All the outward signs were, were, were verifying that, we're, were saying, yes, that's true, while I was, I was crumbling inside. I, I didn't know Jesus intimately. I knew about him. I knew what to do. I knew what I thought he wanted me to do. And and yet something was going on inside that wasn't good. Obedience to Christ and knowing Christ, two different things, okay? They can be disguised by Satan as the same thing. The father of lies, the devil, had me completely fooled. Absolutely, totally, 100% deceived. I played right into his hands from the day I became a believer. I was fragile, missing what God really had in store for me, and that was relationship. When God gave me the gift of my salvation, it wasn't his intention for me to slip into performing for him. Uh Uh And I can imagine his tears as I repeatedly leaned into service rather than leaning into him. Now, I don't want to say that I was miserable all the time. I was not. Okay, I I wanna be real for you here and and paint a balanced picture because I had many, many spiritual victories and some incredible times of growth. I fell into the arms of Jesus in countless seasons over those decades, but the seasons were short-lived and they would fade away for years at a time. And I had a default and this default was performance Christianity, serving Jesus rather than knowing him. And yes, I did get to know Jesus, but not deep enough. Not deep enough, if you know what I mean. And I had great victory in my service for him. Ministries were established. People came to Christ. People grew in their faith. So I'm not saying it negated everything that I did in serving for Jesus. But man, it, that's not equated to knowing him and having an intimate relationship with him. We look at Ephesians 2.8, where the Bible explains that we're saved by grace, and it's a gift from God, and has nothing to do with our efforts. (laughs) But once we're saved, too many of us refuse to live by grace, don't we? Can you relate to that? (laughs) We live by effort. We say, we've got our salvation, now let's prove it. (laughs) And our society expects and rewards great efforts and achievements, and this is directly opposed to God's ways. I believe that. No wonder it's a daily struggle to toss out our filthy rags of performance and humbly cling to Jesus as our only hope for spiritual health. Isaiah 64.6 nails it when it says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Now that's a convicting verse. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Your problem of performing may not be as severe as mine, but this sin creeps into all our lives. We live in a world that honors, rewards, and encourages performance, and that's not a bad thing. In your job, you need to perform well. That's why you're there. As a parent, you should do your best. If you're a student, you need to put forth effort to learn and get good grades. Husband, yeah, love your wife. (laughs) Show it by actions. Yes, we are to do things. Doing is good. But when we transfer that to the core of our spiritual life, we can cave in if it takes over. Instead of letting the world's way spill into our relationship with God, how about if we let our relationship with God spilling into the world in which we live? Reverse it. It's not a novel thought. Jesus said it this way. He said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. The problem is we're so focused on being salt and light that we've forgotten the original light, who is Jesus. He's the light we're supposed to shine. And in fact, John 1, uh, let's see, verses 4 and 5 says this, In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And as we are the light, with Jesus living inside of us, we are shining his light to the world around us. And instead of turning on these fake lights, <laughs> how about if we turn on the light of Jesus by living in, in communion, in relationship with him? How can we shine the light of Christ unless we're closely knit to his heart? We can't. Our focus has to be Jesus. Salt and light happen as a result. Okay, Jesus first, salt and light, is a result of that. And you're in prison if you're living performance-based Christianity. You'll dry up, uh, hate your life with God. You'll seek after worldly passions to satisfy. You'll end up broken and brokenhearted. And you might say, John, those words are pretty strong, maybe too strong. And I'm going to say, no, take it from someone who's been there, me. (laughs) My words are not too strong. You might be there right now or on the edge. You've been giving Jesus your best for years. You've faithfully obeyed him and served him. You've led others to Christ or mentored them and discipled them to maturity. You serve in the kids' ministry at church. That's sacrifice. (laughs) You're in a Bible study. uh, And you seem to be a stellar Christian example. I mean, you're shining, you're doing all the right things, and yet you're dying inside. You know it, but others don't. You're hiding it, and you're ashamed to admit it because this shouldn't be happening. Or maybe you're on the opposite end of the spectrum. You've had it with Christianity. You're distant from God. He's a cold being rather than a warm friend. You've walked away from healthy spiritual habits that you once practiced. The Bible and prayer are empty. You're disillusioned with a Christian life, and you have very little desire, maybe no desire at all to go to a church of any kind. Well, it's time for God to melt your heart. It's time for God to melt your heart. The better you know Jesus, the more your confused, hard heart will soften. Another way of putting it is you'll be set free from the spiritual prison you've created for yourself. You know, it's our fault when we get into this prison. It's our fault. Um, If you're like me, you you thought it was a palace, but it's become a dungeon. Jesus is waiting for you to meet him in a brand new way. On his beautiful, loving, grace-filled terms, he has no expectations that are more important than your relationship with him. This is where a vibrant spiritual life starts, It continues and ends. It's all with Jesus. All the way to your last day on earth. As I was working through the thoughts that I wanted to share with you and I have shared with you, um, it's remarkable that a friend texted me with this. He said, dad took his last breath at 708 this morning. He is healed and is now with Jesus for eternity. I have a question for you. Will your remaining time on earth be characterized by a life with Jesus? Enjoying him now as you prepare for a life of eternity with him? We're going to enjoy Jesus in an amazing way when we meet him face to face, but he offers us enjoyment with him now. This is a life and can be a life of enjoying Jesus. Jesus loves you. It's time to experience a world of relationship that you long for, but maybe you've never discovered. And we need to move from performance to knowing, performance to relationship. There's so many benefits to knowing Christ. I mean, really knowing him deeply. And as this series, this whole season of, episodes will be about escaping performance Christianity to a vibrant, intimate relationship with Jesus and knowing Christ. We're going to talk about this more and more, go deeper and deeper into this. But So many benefits to knowing Christ. Last episode, I shared with you 11 big promises you'll experience when you move from performing to knowing or relating to God, knowing and relating. And I'd just like to dig into three of them here. Go a little deeper than just a list. They're tied right into the freedom you'll experience when you cast aside performance and replace it with relationship. Can you visualize that now? Just close your eyes, except if you're driving. Take performance, and just cast it away. Maybe if you're driving, open the window, take performance, throw it out the window, <laughs> and then reach and replace it with relationship with Jesus. Okay? One of the first big promises is that freedom, experiencing this freedom of knowing Christ that leads to fruit. And I look at Galatians 5, 22, and 23. Don't we all want this? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Don't we want that? We desire those things. I, I we all look and be happy. I think. Well, you have these things, experiencing these things. It's that's pretty well sums up happiness. But we try to make happiness happen in our lives, don't we? We try to uh, build love or joy and or peace or patience. We try to we, we try to make that and create that ourselves. But you know, when we're walking in this freedom of relationship with Jesus, and we know Him more and more will experience these things. That's what's happened in my life. So that's one thing. I, I would encourage you to pick up your Bible and and read through Galatians five twenty two and 23 and pray through that. I've got some other things I'd like you to do too to help go deeper into this knowing Christ. But another thing, speaking of joy, uh, another one of the big promises, 11 big promises, is that we obey God with joy. When we're so tied into relation with performing, then, yeah, we can obey God for a certain period of time, and then we implode. And when we do obey God, it's not really joyful. And sometimes it's disguised as joy because we'll obey God and we'll see great things happen and we'll be joyful. But we go back and trace it back to the fact that we obeyed God out of performance, not out of our love relationship with him. That joy is, is short-lived. So performance doesn't produce the joy that's right here in Galatians 5, 22, and 23, but we'll obey God with joy when we're in a right relationship with him. And then third, just one more I wanted to dig a little deeper into that I mentioned last episode was that another promise is that we'll, the the pressure to perform is removed. Okay, when we move from performing to knowing, the pressure to perform is removed, okay? So we're not looking to perform, but we find ourselves walking with Christ and we end up doing a lot of good things that God wants us to do in obedience to him. But we have a personal relationship with Jesus. He loves us. He is our friend, our savior, Um, not standing over us with a whip and saying perform. Yet in our minds, sometimes we look at it that way. And we feel the pressure. We don't want to make a mistake. We don't want to, yeah, we're going to sin. We will. And we come back to Jesus and claim his forgiveness. But there, there's this pressure. If if you're a performance Christian, you know what I mean. But if you move from performing to knowing and that attitude that we'll be talking about more and more, then that pressure to perform is removed. Three big promises out of the 11, and I'm going to hit... Back on these as we go through this series, because these are this is how it plays out in real life so yeah i'm a I'm moving from performance to relationship, but what does that mean, and what difference does it make? Well, freedom leads to fruit uh we obey God with joy, pressure to perform is removed, and there's eight others I'll be sharing with you too so here's what i'd like you to do as a way of moving into this new world of knowing Christ I've created something that you can download called Uh, knowing Jesus, the light of the world. We talked about Jesus as the light of the world, and then we're the light of the world. And uh, So there's, I want you to know that aspect of Jesus. And I've created a a short, um, just a two-page, one-and-a-half-page, actually, devotional that I would love you to download. Then there are questions at the end. There's three ways you can work through this. One is that you read a, a passage I'll have for you, and then... Um, I will have you reflect and there's some questions and then I'll have you pray. So read, reflect, and pray. And it's all around knowing Jesus, the light of the world. Now to get this, uh, you, you'll find it in the show notes. I got a link for you. Uh, there's You don't have to give your email address or anything. It's a direct download and it's in the show notes. Go ahead and download that and spend a few minutes working through this. This exercise will help you really immerse yourself In Jesus and in one aspect one identity or character quality of him is Jesus the light of the world you can know Jesus the light of the world so would you do that would you take that and download it go to the show notes on my website or the show notes that are in the podcast app that you're listening to the podcast on right now click that download it and go through that spend some time with the Lord uh, as I've shared my story and I've shared some of these promises, I want to end this segment by sharing with you how you can make this real in your own life. And this is a step in that direction. It's a way of moving into this new world. And we'll have some more things, more exercises to do uh, throughout this podcast season. Remember, it's not about performing. <laughs> but hey, we got to do some things here. We get, get things done. And I, I do want to say too that uh, it's not about us trying to find Jesus. It's not a one-way relationship. Praise God that He's sent us his Holy Spirit, who reveals Jesus to us, reveals the Father to us, reveals himself to us. The Holy Spirit is that, that bond that creates that relationship that we long for in knowing Christ. So this is something supernatural and the Lord is going to do some neat things in your life as you step forward and believe him. But the Holy Spirit is going to do some amazing things to help you get to know Jesus better. We're going to move into our uh, interview segment and I talked with a friend who is from Switzerland and he was over here in the U.S. uh, not too long ago. We sat down to talk about something when I heard that he was Practicing uh, this habit, I said, "Hey, Philip, I need to get you on my podcast. Would you come and and be a guest?" Philip Roosh is uh, with Transworld Radio, and he's our HR director for our Europe region. And Philip uh, stumbled on this book that he says he now gives to people and recommends to people. Another friend of mine who was a guest on this podcast also had stumbled on it, read it, recommended it to me, and finally I decided i have to read it. And after I read it, I said, Philip, come on, let's, let's talk about this. The book is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. <laughs> and we talked to Philip about hurry. <laughs> and as, I felt that as, as performing Christians, we do get going in a hurry, don't we? And we need to stop hurrying. <laughs> well, to get to know Jesus, we've got to stop hurrying. And Philip tells his story. He's such a mild-mannered guy as you're going to meet in the interview. And I think I asked him in the interview, "You just sound so mild-mannered. Did you? Were you really a hurrier?" And, I, and he revealed that there's stuff going on inside that he may not be showing on the outside. But yeah, there's some there's some stress there, and he was a hurrier. So uh, I'll be back after our interview and our conversation with Philip Roosh. Well, Philip, so glad to have you on the show, and you're. I think my first international guest. Woo. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for the
1: invitation, John.
0: You came all the way from Switzerland just to be on the podcast. Exactly. Didn't you? <laughs> yeah.
1: Paid all the way over here for this half hour.
0: <laughs> well, the truth is Phillips here leading us uh, at TWR in some sessions that will help us build our teams and and, and so I said this is an opportunity for me to get you in, in the studio so we can talk about another topic that you had been really working with us on and trying to... You're an ambassador for this topic, and that is to slow down! <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I just wanted to get you here to talk about that. And uh, first of all, uh, you're a pretty structured guy, aren't you? Yeah, I
1: do like order. Um, I When you look at my desk like half of it is ordered the other half uh, is creative chaos so i i guess i
0: have both in me i guess the key is when we open the drawer what do we find <laughs> depends on the drawer yeah, that's like that's like me i've got one drawer that it just keeps getting layer after layer of, of things it's like an adventure if i want to just have some fun <laughs> one day I just open the drawer and see what's in there mm-hmm. you know what can i eat what do i need to throw away that that kind of thing but um now and As you uh, grew up, Mm -hmm. was that something that was ingrained in you? Did you like structure and that type of thing? Um, Generally,
1: yes. Um, I I do like structure. Um, That doesn't mean that my room was always tidy, Um, but I I like to know where things are um, and and how things are. Um, I am asking a lot of why questions in my life, um that's my working genius. Mm-hmm. And I, I I do enjoy that um, because I want to understand things. Yeah.
0: So uh, this whole idea of uh, this book that we want to talk about, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, you recommended this book to me, and I think you've recommended it to about a thousand other people. Kind of yeah, an ambassador that's about for right. <laughs> and I finally read it. And that's why I decided to invite you in Mm -hmm. to the podcast. You're the second one to recommend that book to me, and I read it, and I I thought it was really interesting. I've got a lot to apply in there. But do you consider yourself a hurrier? Unfortunately, I definitely have that
1: um, part of me. Um, I do enjoy speed, speed. Do you? I, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. you're in Switzerland. So, do, do you ski the Alps? I do ski the ski the Alps, and I'm from Germany. So I do speed the autobahn. Um, I do enjoy speed. Okay. Um,
0: <laughs> and I know that you're a runner too, but you run distance or speed? Distance. All right. Okay. Good. Good. So you kind of a, you're really quiet.
1: On the outside, yeah. That's the first impression that people get of me, but oh. um, because I'm soft-spoken, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm, mean I'm always quiet. Mm.
0: So there's something racing around inside. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay, can be. Uh, when you um, when we think of hurry, mm-hmm. how would you define hurry?
1: Um, hurry is not just speed. Hurry is the is that we really internally can slow down, that we want to do one thing after another, that we rush. Um and the the crazy thing is that's um that can r- release a lot of adrenaline, a lot of um hormones that are really thrilling and exciting. But I think in the in the long run we just miss a lot. Mm-hmm. Um so it's rushing through life from one event to the other, from one thought to the other without really being able to slow down, to breathe, to consider like what is the meaning, what is the purpose? why am I here? Um, what and eventually also what does God want to talk to me about? Um, I, I think yeah, hurry is in the long run, it's un, unhealthy. Like we can have times of, of speed, we can have intense times without actually hurrying. When did you realize that this
0: was a problem in your life?
1: Uh, Around 2019. um, I was working full-time, studying full-time, and doing a bunch of other things. And I was finishing my master's degree, and I was just exhausted from hurrying through life for years. And I um, had a summer where I was just plain tired.
0: Mm. And so what happened?
1: Um, Were you burning out? I was not burning out. I'm very careful um, with the term burnout. I um, I was never in a burnout. Um, I think burnout is, is something very deep and, and much much worse. Um, I'm careful of throwing around that term. <clears throat> but I had been in a similar phase early in my life around 20. Um, 2012, um, where I was very close to burnout and I learned a lot of lessons, but then life sp- speeded up again so much that I was in, a, in this phase again. Um, and at that time, I came across a different book by Pete Scussero, um The Emotionally Healthy Leader. Um, and I remember I was on vacation on a train in Norway and I read this book, and that was the like the first book that got me to slow down a bit, hmm. to shift down a gear, and then this book came along a little later and was just hitting home.
0: I like the way you put that shifting down a gear, and mm-hmm. uh, we can all picture the Autobahn, and so you are shifting <laughs> down a gear, yeah, and stay there most of the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Try to stay there, uh, and so you were you're you're exhausted. You're at a season of life, and uh, you were married at the time, mm-hmm. and, and now you've got how many kids? One. one. One kid. How old? One and a half. Oh, wow. So your life is going to speed up again. <laughs> this is... it, It's already. <laughs> <laughs> but that's – I want to talk about how this relates to uh, – you've got a family you're starting. You've got small child in the house. Uh, schedules are disrupted and all that, and, mm-hmm. and yet you're able to practice this – unhurriedness, I guess, this mm-hmm. rest uh, and all of that. So when I want to hear about that. But this, this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, you've actually become like this ambassador for the book to me and as I mentioned a thousand other people probably. Not just the book, but its principles. Why is that? Because it made such an impact in my life um,
1: and I – I just love the way it's written. I just enjoy reading it. I just read it um, again last week. Um, And there's so much truth in there. But there are a lot of books that have truth in there. But this one um, really clicks and sticks with people. And I've seen it in a lot of other people's lives, um, what the impact is. And that it's not just um, clicking with me. So, I, uh, yeah, I am an ambassador. I, I pushed for the the German translation to come out soon um, and yeah but eventually it's simply because I I've seen the impact in my own life and I wouldn't promote anything that where I haven't seen the impact
0: Now with your family, your wife and the young one how has it had an impact there? Um,
1: Well I, I read the book shortly before COVID hit so in the winter of 1920 and so I was kind of prepared for COVID and it really um, helped us as a family in this difficult time and and I think it it helped me to slow down and and to handle this forced slow down um, so that I was able to um, internally slow down and um, then, yeah, shortly afterwards, um my wife was pregnant and we um had our little Johanna. Um and I think it really helps me to give her the attention that she needs and okay. to and one thing I learned is to really give the people that I am in around with or in conversation with to, to slow down to give them the attention they need. And one thing I learned is how much even little babies need attention and real they they notice if they don't have your attention you might be present but they don't have your attention so that's something that i really learned with um, to practice with um, her but
0: also definitely also with my wife oh, the your presence being there mm-hmm. not just uh, physically but also emotionally and babies can really sense that huh yeah can't fool them <laughs> yeah it's amazing like because they they watch
1: your your eyes where where you are, and they immediately know if uh, your attention is on your phone or on them. And um, they can speak, uh, but they
0: can let you know that they want your attention. <laughs> <laughs> now we've been talking about a hurry, and uh, what does that look like when you move from uh, hurry and you ruthlessly eliminate it? I mean, what kind of changes? What what is it? What does it? uh practically how, how does it play out in your life well you said practically
1: i, I want to use the word practice um we it, it's not a i think for most people it's not a 180 shift um but it's more like starting to practice some of the practices Um so i i just had to really learn and, and take one step after another and i'm still learning and 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 making changes in my life one area or two areas i really started making changes with was one is my my morning routine and the other is um and my my sabbath and the third is um the whole topic of i would say digital minimalism mm. those three areas i started working on and still um yeah tell, tell Rever- us about those yeah
0: what do your mornings look like
1: Uh, Three things are most important to me in the morning is one, um, spending time with God. And I I was honestly, I would say for more than half my life, probably 20 years, struggling with finding regular time with that. Um, Always, you know, started a new devotional and kept it up, um, devotion times for a few weeks, maybe months, and then um, it didn't become a habit um, and I lost track of it. And I made it my routine to get up earlier, like an hour or an hour and a half before everybody else gets up, to have time for that, but also to have time for uh, my physical exercises. Um, And because very simply, if I don't do that, my back will tell me, and I pretty quickly get back pain. So that's pushing me there, and that has become a discipline. And um, and then spending some time with the family, and not rushing directly into into the day, but have time with my daughter, have time with my wife, before um, I do everything else. So basically, I I said I want to do the most important things in my life, like spend time with God, spend time with myself, and spend time with my family, and um, do that before I do anything else. Because then, if you know, if the day goes sideways. For whatever reason, I still know like I've done the most important things I've made step fo- steps forward there and um, and I I know it wasn't a
0: wasted day. Mm-hmm. I like that. What does it look like to spend time with your family in the morning? Yeah, I understand your time with God, but then now your daughter wakes up and your wife wakes up and how do you how do you go into the day? It depends on the day um, of
1: the week. Um, If, for example, my wife's working or or not, or if I'm having a a daddy day or not. But uh, generally, um, having breakfast together, um, maybe making a tea um, for my wife, um, or just cuddling with my daughter. Um, I love um, being there when she wakes up and when she opens her eyes and um, just, you know, Holding her and l- then just watching her, um, and it really changes because she's um, developing so much at that age. And um, sometimes she wants to cuddle, sometimes she wants to draw and play, and then I just watch her and then present with her. Hmm.
0: What I'm hearing is relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, start with your relationship with God in the morning, mm-hmm. and then your relationship, and then your relationship with your loved ones. Yeah. uh and is that the kind of thing that seems to slow you down if you're if you're working those relationships
1: definitely um you cannot hurry relationships it just doesn't work and people will sense that if you uh, squeeze them in your hurried schedule and then when you meet with them you know you check your phone and and other things that hurts relationships and that breaks relationships so mm. um if you really want to have a, um, honest relationships, or not just honest but healthy, um, we need to handle them unhurried.
0: Mm. Now talk to us about the Sabbath, the second thing that you mentioned.
1: Yeah. Um, first of all, I, I really try very hard to keep it um, digital free as much as possible. It doesn't happen. If, For example, you now we have a call with uh, my, my parents and the grandparents um then you you know you need your phone and so on but i i'm not checking my work emails um on on, on a saturday on a sunday on a sabbath um i'm 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 not working and um, and i'm trying to have as as few um um as as possible um meetings with other people i really try to have it a uh, uh, at church at family day only, um, and yeah, usually, like we spend the mornings the the meals at church, we just really enjoy that. We have a fantastic church, and then, um usually, when we get home, the family takes a nap, and I do what's rest for me, and that's uh, going for a run. Mm. um I love running that's that's restful for me to just spend an hour run around the lake, something like that. um that's rest, and then um, spending time in the kitchen, cooking a nice meal, um, just you know, um, having time for these things that I don't have time for during the week. That's that's slowing. That's rest for me.
0: Did that take a while to develop?
1: Yeah, it did, but not a long while. I, I think. Um, some of those things we were able to implement fairly quickly. Um, was a lot of it because of COVID? Yeah, I mean, COVID um, honestly helped a lot with that. Um, that was, A forced timeout. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a forced timeout. We, f- for us, especially the first year of COVID, was mostly a blessing. Hmm. Um, yeah, just... I, for my job, I, I travel a lot, so I
0: basically wasn't traveling for two years. That was really nice. Mm. <laughs>
1: mm.
0: And this whole thing of Sabbath—that seems to be something that is being practiced more. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hearing a lot more about that. Was that foreign to you when you first heard about it? Is that were you thinking, "Oh, I I don't do that. I don't that. I don't look forward to that."
1: Well, the theory wasn't foreign. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, okay, I I didn't know that there is a, a Sabbath day <laughs> or a Sunday. I mean, of of course, I knew it. I grew up in a Christian home, so the theory wasn't um, difficult or foreign. But the practice, um, that's the challenging thing, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's all about moving your your head knowledge to your heart knowledge, um to actually to your hand knowledge to to practice that and. Um, yeah, it, it took a while mm. um, and it wasn't super easy, um, especially if you're, you know, in a family and not living on your own. You, on your own, you can make a lot more decisions freely. Um, but yeah.
0: So let's talk about this third area. If, if Sabbath is hard, <laughs> <laughs> this whole area of digital, and you, you use the words digital minimalism, mm-hmm. and I kind of know where you're going. I've read the book, so I I, I know where the author goes mm-hmm. and we're going to step on some toes and step on some devices <laughs> in the <laughs> process here, but open that world up to us as you have experienced it and what it's done for you.
1: Yeah. Um, I was, my phone with, was full of, um, social media and, I don't know how much time I spent on it and I don't want to know because I think it would be embarrassing. But basically, um, every free second, every free minute I was on my phone, um, on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, other social media. um, And that was the the biggest decision for me to delete all social media except like a a few messenger apps from my phone. Um that just, that was just a relief. Um, but it wasn't easy. Like, I, I think I uninstalled Instagram three times and uh, installed again. And it, like, it was a process back and forth, back and forth. But eventually um, I, I freed myself of it. I still have those accounts, by the way. If I want to access them, not as regularly, I do that through my um, computer browser but um, not through my phone. Interestingly enough, um, my battery life like doubled. <laughs> um, and I, I still have a smartphone, not a dumb phone. I know some people completely throw out their smartphones. Um, I don't need that. I feel like it's no longer a chain to me. But um, I think the key, especially with um, digital, especially with our phones, is we need to ask ourselves, who's serving who? Are we serving the phone? Like, Are we basically sl- slaves to our phones? Or are they just serving us? And one thing I also uh, did was... Um, well, I-, I read the statistics that over 60% of smartphone users never change their notification settings. You can change your notification settings like for general things, but also for every single app. And we are just bombarded by notifications. And honestly, how many um, are really relevant to us? So I just was very thorough to um, take off notification uh, uh, of notifications of um, most apps, like especially news apps. I do read the news, um, but only at the time when I want to consume
0: the news, and I'm not cons- constantly bombarded. It sounds like a radical shift for you. It was. And did you go through a depression? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> a-
1: Actually rather the opposite. Um, I not through a depression, uh, neither before nor after, but it was just freeing. It was a relief. Mm. I fe- felt less stress. I felt I had more time to focus. Um, I was I am able to read more books um, and other, other things that I want to read um, because I'm wasting less time on
0: social media. Mm. And your family probably is glad too yeah <laughs> <laughs> what has it done for your relationship with God all these these things you mentioned? It was refreshing
1: um i'm I'm a slow reader of the Word of God, but I would say slow and thorough like I'm not reading five chapters a day, I'd rather one a day and then a lot of like comments about it and just spend time with God it um Yeah, as I said, especially like um, my daily quiet time that has become really an almost unshakable routine and and habit and part of my life. And having this discipline has an effect on your relationship with God. It's like if I spend 10 minutes a week with someone, no matter who, you know, um, or if I spend um, 10 hours with someone, Mm. And that changes the relationship um, and has an impact on that. And we cannot expect um, to have a super fresh and fragrant relationship with anybody, including God, if we just you know spend a few minutes a day or a few minutes a week with that person.
0: Well, in closing here, I've just got one question. I'm going to put you on the spot. How would you describe your life before you began to Eliminate, ruthlessly eliminate hurry. What one word would
1: describe your life? I I guess I can't choose the word hurried now. That would be too cheap. (laughs) Um, One word, uh, maybe unreflected in English word.
0: Unreflective? Yeah, like I didn't reflect
1: much on my life. I was just now speeding through it. Kind of surfacy.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. And and now um, you're on this side of it.
1: Um well, the opposite, more reflective and I would say um also more resilient
0: mm, more resilient
1: mm mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I didn't expect that <laughs> <laughs> so why, why 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 are you more resilient now?
1: I have more margin in my life the um, in the small things and the big things, I have more margin and, um, and if you have margin in your life, you're less stressed. And I actually think you have more capacity to do the important things.
0: Oh, that's great. Thank you, Philip. Thank you, John. Okay. And God bless you on your trip back home.
1: Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
0: Well, I hope you found that interview with Philip encouraging. I did. Those of us who are performance-based Christians and trying to get through this, this whole thing of hurry is very applicable to our lives. Um. And so I thank you, Philip, for sharing your thoughts and your life and your story with us. You know, this whole thing of knowing Christ isn't something we can do on our own. And that's why I created a place where we could come together, where we could help each other out. Uh, It's called Fresh Faith 24-7. If we try to do this on our own, we'll fall back into into the performance mentality because that's our default. And Fresh Faith 24-7 is really designed for you. One of the benefits that will help you out in this is a four-module video series I created called The Freedom Path Training. And in this in-depth training, you'll come to terms with your problem, a performance-based Christianity. You'll work through it biblically to the point of freedom. I'll walk you through that. Listening to this podcast isn't going to cut it if you really want to experience freedom. We can't just do it all here. It's a start, but it's not the full answer. And and this Freedom Path Training is really the core of Fresh Faith 24-7, this video series. It's four modules. I think there's uh, 28 sessions. This is something you want to hurry through, and so thankful that we had Philip on the, on the show this time. We don't want to hurry through this. You view it on demand at your own pace, and you let God work in your heart and your life. So find out more at freshfaith247.com. And I hope you'll join our membership, become a member, dive into the Freedom Path training and into the community of believers who can help you walk through into freedom. And I'll be there too as well. I participate. Again, find out more at freshfaith247.com. We talk about uh, the layers of knowing, the layers of knowing next time in the next episode. And we, this whole thing of knowing Christ, what's that all about? How do we make it more than head knowledge and make it heart knowledge as we know Jesus? And I'll be digging into that next time. One last thing, make sure you take the assessment if you haven't already. Find out where you are health-wise in your relationship with God. And you find that on my website or in the show notes. Find it at freshfaith247.com. That's freshfaith247.com. And uh, take that assessment and be back with me next time.